Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 136th episode of the Truth Island podcast. In the last episode that Kenny and I did, we discussed the dangers of passion and how many people embark on both romantic conquests and hobbies with little to no regard for practicality. While passion does have its time and place and still remains central to Western identity, Another way of life, which is often not spoken of as often, is a more Eastern style of living grounded in detachment. Probably the most prolific voice on the subject remains the Eastern philosopher Lao Tzu, who explains that there is no individual version of Tao, which roughly translates into the way. What this means is that it is not up to the individual to mend or shape the world in our image, but rather to let things unfold as they may and simply follow the path that has been laid before us. For example, rather than complaining, coercing, and persuading others to do as you please, it is simply better to follow the path of non-action, which implies putting up as little resistance to the forces that surround you. For example, if your boss tells you to do something that seems pointless, it is much better to simply say, aye, aye, captain, than get into a heated debate as to what you should be doing. While Taoism provides a framework for peaceful and a non-argumentative form of living, it is not without its shortcomings. For a Western audience, it can be extremely difficult to pinpoint the difference between non-action and apathy. While it's definitely fair game to say that one should not expect to get everything they want in this world, there are certainly things that one could argue are certainly worth fighting for. Joining me to find the way, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, do you think it helps to be a bit detached from our conversations in order to arrive at the best answer? Well, I've been detached from the very moment we started. Oh, glad, (laughs) glad to hear that. really makes me feel wonderful. (laughs) <laughs> You're so invested. I'm messing with you. Um, so no, I mean the whole idea of detachments is you know it's understandable. Like it, I I know why it often seems like the perfect answer to you know to the things we, especially the negative things we feel and see about the world. And I agree to some extent, um, but I think it's not it's not so much a complete detachment. But um, I would even say it's it's one of two things. And I'm not sure entirely what, what it is. It's either a complete, you know, it's either a, a detachment to a degree, or should I say the right, the right amount of detachment to, the, to, you know, to specific things and areas in our lives, or it's actually, a, it's actually a better form of attachment to things. And that, that would be, I guess, <laughs> that would be a whole different story. I, I guess to give a little historical context, both Confucius and Lao Tzu were writing their respective philosophies during the uh, the Warring States period in China, and this is like a, a time period where one warlord would just come and like take over for a few months or a few years, and then just be replaced by a totally different warlord who believed in totally different stuff. And I think Lao Tzu's response to all of that was like well, why take any of this nonsense too seriously, right? Like this warlord is telling us one thing, but he'll be replaced by another one, you know, next year or a few years from now. So it's better to be a little detached from what's going on around you because it's always changing. Like life is always in constant fluctuation. And from what I gather from Taoism is that, you know, it's misunderstood you know, in the West, when I first learned about Taoism, I learned it as just being a state of anarchy. And then I read more about it. And I was like, no, that that's completely wrong. It's not anarchy. It's rather just kind of going with the flow 
more or less. So you're not, you're not saying that there should be no government, but whatever government happens to be around, we kind of just go with that, where we're just going with the flow. And I think that's like a, a much better way. But I have a lot of questions about that. Suppose that government in charge is a really bad government and, and people are suffering. Do you just go with the flow with that? Or is it right to, to, to resist it in some way? Well, it, 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 that's where that's where the whole idea comes in. That's why I don't think it's total detachment, but um, proper attachment in the sense of if you don't, you know, it's not so much about it's not so much about you know um, letting that government be as it is. You could do that, sure. I don't think you could do that, but it's actually a matter of if you if but if you're going to stand up and fight, it's actually or or resist. It has to, you're, you're resisting for a reason. And you're resisting for a reason because you're attached to something. There's something you're attached to. And now the question is just like, you know, every parent is attached to their child. Some are way too attached. Some are, you know, not as attached as they should be. So I think it's, it's, it's whatever, most of the things we deal with in this life, whether it's country, friends, family, um, vocation, it's about being attached in the right way to the right degree. Not, not so much a... Um, not so much a, you know, a complete detachment. Okay, I, I think we, we need to like um, define that uh, a detachment or attachment a, a little bit closer. Mm -hmm. So one one version that I've like seen of this is like mm -hmm. the version that kind of George Lucas gives us in Star Wars, where mm -hmm. you know the Jedi are taught don't fall romantically in love with anybody temper your passions whenever possible. Your passions will lead you to suffer. Your passions are going to lead you to become attached to people, to mm -hmm. ideas, to governments that mm -hmm. will feel really good for in the moment, but they'll ultimately lead to your destruction, right? So that's like kind of the, the George Lucas Star Wars version of detachment, which I think has some basis in Taoism and Buddhism for that matter. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about that form of detachment. And on one hand, there is a good point to be made there. If I'm not like romantically attached to somebody, well, then I can't be a part of that downfall or a part of that destruction. Or I can say no and be like, well, you know, like this is this is where I get off the train right now, you know, like, but on the other hand, a very good question is like, well, if you're not really attached to anything, what's the point in living? You know, people will often say, well, if you don't really love anyone or anything, why, what's the point in waking up in the morning? And I think that's a really, you know, that's a really good counter argument. Yeah, I, I can see, I can see why people would gravitate towards, you know, either one. But it, it seems to be, detachment seems to me to be, you know, somewhat contrary to nature somewhat contrary to the things to the, to the way, you know, um, nature operates, at least um, very contrary to the way we feel as human beings on a very natural, on a very, you know, um, keep this word, primal level. <laughs> we want to be attached to things. We want to be attached to our families, our kids, our wives, our lives, our jobs, and our brand new cars or whatever it is. And, you know, if someone tells you to detach from those things, it seems almost, um, now, just because something is difficult, something just because something is difficult doesn't mean that it's, you know, it shouldn't be done. But this is not just difficult. This seems like this seems like a, a total reversal of what it means to be, you know, to be an autonomous being. Mm. Okay, so when it when it comes to like attachment to material goods, like I, I think you're, you know, that's that's a no brainer, right? Because mm. if you're 
if you're attached to material goods, there's one of two things that can happen to you. One, you will spend your life pursuing gaining those material goods. Or if you already have those material goods, you'll spend your entire life uh, in fear of losing them. And both, both scenarios might make you do absolutely ridiculous thing. Like you'll think of a guy who will be like, well, I'll cheat everyone at work because I, I, I don't want to give up my Lamborghini, right? Like, so I think of a dude, he's got a Lamborghini, he's quote unquote attached to that Lamborghini and that yeah. makes him do horrendous things, right? He like uh, throws his coworkers under the bus in order to protect that Lamborghini. That, that I would agree with you is like destructive attachment, right? Because that attachment is making that person do evil things. Where I'm wondering where attachment yeah. could be positive is like yeah. a man's duty to his family. Let's just say your family is under threat. You know, is that really a moment to be detached? You turn to your wife and kids and say, okay, sweetheart, um, some men with guns are going to come in here. We're going to just lie down and let them shoot us. Ha ha ha. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't see detachment working in that s situation. I feel like your attachment to your family will make you do crazy stuff, but that's okay. It's in service to a higher purpose. Well, there you go. There's the whole thing about the higher purpose. The, the question is, that's why I say it's not it's a matter of degree the the, the degree to which you're attached mm. everything has everything should have its i don't think there's anything wrong with people being attached to things i think you can be overly attached to things so it's a matter of managing the degree to which you which you are attached to things everything you should be attached to things everything within its place everything in its rightful place how does it go <laughs> but basically everything in its rightful place and so every every desire every attachment in its rightful place and to the and to the right to the right degree. And so the person who is attached to his kids and his wife is perfectly fine. And you know, and a person who and if a person says, okay, well, um, you find this many in, in original religious circles where the person is they are attached to the family, but they're more attached to the kingdom of God or whatever religion it is they're, you know, um, they're dealing with, and so the the the, the degree of attachment, the, hi the hierarchical degree of attachments, informs your decisions. So it's no longer if so if the kid, when the kids, uh, how you say, say, excuse me, so your stuff, right? Mm. You have your stuff. You're attached to your stuff for sure. But then you know that you have a higher attachment to the human to the human experience, of, to your fellow man, to your neighbor. And so when your neighbor comes asking you for stuff, well, your attachment to your neighbor is far greater than your attachment to your stuff. And so you give him the stuff because he's asked for it and you don't care, you don't mind because you know what's more important, you know what I mean? Or the matter of um, it, the matter of uh, kids in school, when the kid, you know, your school calls you in and tells you that, you know, your kid's been, you know, being a complete animal and you have to come and, you know, and some parents going to yell, <laughs> you know, they'd, they'd like take down the school and just say, yeah, you can't. Oh yeah, I've worked with those like, parents before. I totally hear you. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you're, you're too attached to your kid because first of all, your kid did wrong according to society and according to the laws of the school. So you have to understand that unless you can raise this kid to have, you know, to understand that there are certain things that are above him, whether he likes it or not, because that's just how reality works. If a tree falls and he's there, he's going to get crushed. The tree's not going to say, well, excuse me, I see you're the son of so-and-so. I'll scoot to the side. No, you're going to, he's, life happens that way. Just like if the, the police pulls him over, he's going to jail. So the point is simply that the, the degree to which you're attached to that kid has to be, you know, how you say, ordered to the sense, in, in the sense of you have to, you have to have the right degree of attachments to that kid as well as the right degree of attachments 
to social order and law and so forth. And both both of those things are going to inform the kind of you know the decisions you're making in, in that situation. Okay, so let me just um, repeat what you're saying, make sure I got it right. So you're saying that there's a hierarchy of attachment that we all follow. Uh, sometimes it's to your family, sometimes it's to a religion or some other higher ideal. And these hierarchies also change over time. Like, you know, maybe, maybe at one moment, you know, your uh, ideal, your, your attachment to religion is outweighing necessarily the desires of what your son wants or something. And, and, and these things can fluctuate and change over time. But what you are saying, though, is that whether we want to admit it or not, we will always be attached to something. It'll change throughout time. It may change, you know, as we change or as circumstance change, uh, you know, what we're attached to most closely will change, but we'll always be attached to something at any given moment. Yes, because that's that's nature. That's that's how that's how that's how the world seems to work. That's how we seem to work. I, I think that is that is very that is very natural for human beings, yes. I, I definitely see that. And I, I, I think, I, I, think you're, I definitely see that. So let's take our individual over here for a moment who is very attached to his son, okay? Which is, I, I think we can both agree that's not a Lamborghini. That's something very valuable that you, you know, to be attached to, it definitely has a higher purpose. So this guy is really attached to his son. However, his son is just failing him. He's just not living up to expectations. He started joining a gang and started doing drugs. And the father has done thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of intervention and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, how, like, how does this come about? Like, does the father just say, okay, my son now as by virtue of his behavior or by virtue of my interest, maybe that father is now becoming highly attached to playing tennis, you know, like maybe there's something else in his life that's going on here. So do we consciously choose when to detach from something or, or does life kind of just push us in that direction? No, I think, I think it's kind of both end because, you know, I think because we're thinking beings, we have, we, we must choose. We can't escape choice in this life, but also life also has this capacity, which is very interesting has the capacity to thrust things upon us. I, th I think it's both, both and, yeah. It's kind of like an interesting situation where like, let, let's say you're living in your house, right? And you keep looking at the walls and you're like, man, this, this, this house needs a paint job, right? And you're becoming really attached to the idea that you're gonna hire some painters to come paint the walls. But then the next week, the whole house burns down in a giant fire, suddenly you're no longer attached to the idea of painting the walls because circumstances has thrown something in your lap that makes you now attached to something else, right? Yeah. So like that that's kind of like the randomness of how, of, of how this world is working that like, there are, there are moments like that, but there's also times where you might be very much like, I, I, let's go back to like a romantic couple. Let's say your husband and wife, you might be very attached to your wife for like five years. You only think of her, you only dedicate your time towards her, but then, you know, that starts to wear. And then you start finding an interest in playing tennis or in judo or in, in some, or maybe you fall in love with a new job that you discover. Sometimes you're making that conscious choice, right? Because you're choosing to play more tennis than spend with your wife. So in some degree, you are, you are exercising your muscle. It's not like the tennis god is just coming and sweeping you away. You're actively making a decision that like, hey, honey, um, from now on, on Sundays, I'm gonna be at the tennis court. Yeah, yeah, I mean, those, those are, I think, 
we don't like to we don't like to admit it, but yes, we we do have we do make those choices. Um, and then it comes another thing happens where you know in those kinds of um, attachments, in the sense of and another, another kind of should I say another category arises in those kinds of you know um, attachments. So it's not just a matter of um, the degree to which you were attached, but it's also having to if you believe in this because often you know especially these days no one ever believes there's a right anything but um sure good luck to you but if you do believe in this if you do believe that there is a rightness to things then you have to know that there's a right degree there is there is a there is a right degree to which one must be attached to certain things now there's a right degree to be attached to um your video games or your friends or your um your stuff whatever it may be and if you can find the right degree to which you you know you're, you you will be attached to those things, it's very unlikely that you will experience this tug of war or this you know um, painful shredding when those things are are taken away from you or when you have to part with those things. Yeah, and no, I I can see that you've thought deeply about this subject. I know I know that you chose this as one of your favorite. I I I I see a bit of stoicism in this. Okay, so when it comes to like playing tennis or something, that is something that the Stoics would say is within their realm of control. All right, so me choosing to be attached to tennis or not being choose to be uh, not choosing to be attached to tennis is totally within the realm of my control. It's when nature conspires against us and takes away our house or takes away a loved one. That's when that's when we kind of have no choice but to let go. That that's when it becomes a man holding on to a burning hot pot, right? The the pot's burning your hand. You just you have to detach yourself, otherwise you're going to lose your hand. It's going to be completely burnt off. So yeah. I, I think that that's that's a distinction that a lot of people struggle with. Of like sometimes life forces you to detach, and sometimes you make a conscious effort to detach from one thing and move on to something else. Yeah, yeah. So and making those making making those decisions. I mean, should I say being aware of those, you know, those two um, categories is very important. That way you don't stress yourself with things that you can't control, which is what we often do. And you um, you try to take responsibility um, for the things you can control, which is very hard to do too. Um, it shouldn't be, but it is. I want to move on now to the to the problem that I raised in my introduction, and that's the problem, the Western notion of apathy. And this was actually, um, I, I did a podcast a, a while ago with Sam, my priest friend, and we, we didn't directly talk about this subject, but it came out a lot. In our Western notion, in our Western culture, rather, we love heroes and we love proactive protagonists. We love the go-getter. We love pro- Mr. Proactive. And... I feel from from my reading, and maybe I'm just wrong, and maybe I'm just ignorant. So please, you, you seem like a much greater authority on this than me. <laughs> you you and your you and your Taoist robes in here. So I, I feel I, I feel like I, I need to try and understand this because I grew up Jewish. I grew up in the Western culture, in the Western culture of like, you need to be proactive. You need to be a go-getter. Um, if you just sit there by the sidelines, you're wasting your life. Like this is, this is what I was basically fed on. And in fairness, most people in America or Canada or in the Western tradition are fed the same, the same material. Like if you just sit there and don't do anything, if you're not actively living a proactive life, you're wasting it. You're absolutely wasting your life and you're being apathetic. 
But then I, I, I read about Taoism and Taoism, it, it seems to be pushing in that opposite direction. It seems to be saying, no, it, the true discipline is not doing anything at all. It's non-action. It's non-resistance. It's, it's, it's this idea that like, I, I feel like in Taoism, the great evil is to try and be the person who tries to control everything. Just, just like we talked a few podcast episodes ago, that evil by definition is, is trying to control everything. So how do I reconcile my, the Western half? Like my Western half is screaming at me like, Aaron, don't be a lazy bum, go out there and be proactive. But my Eastern half is saying, whoa, man, it's not for you to control. Like don't get too attached to anything. Those attachments will lead to your downfall or they'll, they'll, they'll lead to your destruction. Cause I, I'm gonna be honest in this subject, I'm, I'm truly torn into pieces over it. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that for sure, because um, I think that I think it's a very normal thing to experience that um, that's tear, especially for young men, because um, believe it or not, in spite of what anybody, you know, um, would say, I think there's a lot of pressure on young men to succeed. Yes. Which is fine, because we should succeed at whatever it is we do. I mean, one of my friends says that, you know, every young man should be a master at something. It doesn't really matter what it is, from shoemaking to drawing or freaking doing backflips. Just be good at one thing. But the point is simply that I think that we, and we want to succeed, but we don't really know. A lot of us don't have the same drive that our parents had. A lot of us don't have the same drives that our friends had. We have drives in different ways. And, all of, and some of us actually are ways of our, our artistic endeavors or our, our, our own ways of, of success it hasn't really been invented yet. I can imagine, you know, being in a time before films and having to, you know, be born as a film director and not knowing exactly what the hell you're going to do with your life. I guess you probably try to direct plays, but, you know. Um, <laughs> but the point is simply that it's not a matter of the Eastern it's not a matter, personally, this is how I, I would deal with it. It's not a matter of East versus West in anything, anything like that. Because for me, it's a matter of what is true and a matter of what is the real way, it, really, really. And maybe, and then we have to ask the matter of, is, is there really like a universal the way? Or is there really just a way that, that best suits the kind of human being that I am? And honestly, man, for me, it comes down to, um, I'm not going to get too into it, but it gets it's 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 it comes down to the idea that um, personally, I, I think I'm I'm more sympathetic more sympathetic towards Taoism um, because I can understand I can understand that way of going about things because people think of it's you know often it's like this fairy tale la la you know he's in the zone thing or. Like you're, you know, it, it's, it sounds, in our world, it sounds very strange. And not just strange, it sounds not, it's, it, you know, it sounds like, you know, something you read out of a, like a comic book and you know, the guy who masters the, the Zen way, you know, like, dude, you know, but there is, and it's very hard to talk about these kinds of things, these metaphysical things, rationally, you can, but it's hard to do it and not sound like a complete idiot yourself. And that's where that's where that's where you know either philosophical minded, religious minded, or metaphysically minded people end up looking like total monkey sticks because it's really it's they're dealing with subjects that not only the people not believe in, but people are very either antagonistic towards it 
or overly attached to it to the point. So, you know, the guy who you're like, uh, <laughs> you're, 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 you're in a crowd and you're trying to say something along, you're, you're making a speech to the people and somebody's really into the speech, but he's like a naked man. Wearing <laughs> <laughs> like a sign that says the world is, the world is ending. And yeah, he, he needs to detach from that pretty damn quickly. Even though you're right, the very fact that he's the only one who really likes you makes you seem wrong. You know what I mean? Like the kind of crowd you, you the kind of crowd you attract, whether consciously or, or unconsciously, you know, um, not consciously, but per, um, purposefully or you know, unpurposefully, affects the message, which is interesting rather than the message being um, understood and evaluated for, by itself. So, um, I th- and I think that these kinds of topics are, how do I say, are froth with naked men holding, naked crazy men holding gibberish signs. And, <laughs> and no matter what you do, you end up, looking or sounding ridiculous when you talk about it but to keep to keep it short i think i think i i lean more i lean more towards the though i i wouldn't say that that's where i where i'll sit i lean more towards the taoist understanding of of things no i i love i love the the last phrase you just used that's not where i'll permanently sit okay i don't want to appear like a crazy naked man here but i'm gonna try i'm gonna try and what we're gonna do is Let's try and steel man both the perfect Westerner versus the perfect Easterner. Okay, and and we're gonna fall, you know, we're gonna fall short of the mark. But let's <laughs> let, let, let like let, let's just try and do this. So in yeah. my in my vision, the perfect Westerner might be like a Steven Spielberg. Okay, he has one thing that he's solely dedicated to, and that's becoming the best damn filmmaker that has ever, ever walked the face of the earth. No matter how many hurdles, no matter how much trouble he he comes into, he's like, I must make the best damn, I, I won't accept any other career, I won't accept any other vocation, I won't do anything else with my life, I must be the best damn filmmaker ever. He goes on to make E.T. and Jurassic Park and, and Schindler's List. He is the best damn thing. That's like the ultimate Western ideal where he is solely attached to the ideal or the dream of becoming a filmmaker that everything else just falls by the wayside. Even, even, and like he turned out successful. So we're like, hurrah, hurrah, bravo, right? But again, there's a million ways that that could have gone terribly, terribly, terribly wrong. But I would say that Steven Spielberg in that regard is a good example of like the ultimate Westerner. He's attached to being the best filmmaker humanly possible and he let nothing else stand in his way. Even, mm. even if he himself doesn't realize that. Mm. The perfect Easterner would be the guy you throw him into any situation. You throw him into a POW prison camp. You throw him into a gulag. You throw him into a fast food restaurant. You throw him into an insurance company. Wherever this guy is thrown, he just does well wherever he's tossed. He doesn't actually try and steer the ship. He never says things like, oh, I must be the the best, whatever. It's like, all right, I guess I'm going to be working as this. I guess that's what I'll be doing until I'm told otherwise or circumstances just direct me in another course. And that's also very beautiful. I must say that guy who can just be thrown into any situation, whether it's a prison or working for an insurance company or doing whatever, 
there's something really remarkable. That's a great guy to have in your corner because no matter how good things are, no matter how bad things are, he's always going to be just fine. And he's always going to do an incredible job and keep high spirits uh, no matter how bad it gets. Whereas Steven Spielberg will be yelling, no, 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 I, I demand the dinosaur looks this way. How dare you? You know, like, right? Like you, you think of these film directors being like, totally OCD and trying to control every little element of the stage. Whereas our, our perfect Easterner, okay, I, I guess we're, we're coming into work at 6.30 tomorrow morning, no problem. Both yeah. of these lifestyles look really beautiful and they look very romantic and they look a- absolutely wonderful. I'm wondering if you, what are the holes that you're seeing in each of these lifestyles? Because I'm sure there's lots of holes with the perfect Westerner and the perfect Easterner. Maybe if we can find the holes in each of these philosophies, we know what to take and what to discard. Yeah, I mean, to me, I, like, um, I think for, for both, I think that both are, you know, simply contrary to the, to the way things are. That's why. So, for example, you know, um, if we're looking at a if we're looking at a go go getter mentality, because it seems that both of, one one is very active. He believes in himself. He does what he what he needs to do to get what he wants. While the other one is reactive in the sense of he just simply responds appropriately, hopefully to the situation thrown at him. So wherever he is, he's doing okay. He's responding as the situation demands him to respond. Okay. Now I lean towards that because I think that is far more. How do you say? Personally, I think that is far more beautiful or far more attractive than um, um, than the go-getter. No, because the go-getter is going to, how you say, um, the go-getter is going to have a lot of trouble with anything that does not stand, that stands in his way or with anything that does not push him further in the direction he wants to go. Now, the way that I see this now, if we're dealing, because we don't have any specific philosophies out there, we're not dealing with specific philosophies, we're dealing with um, simply the ideas of these kinds of people. Well, the problem with the problem with the first, with the active man is that, well, he's going to, it's, he's going to be a very stressful person to be around. And he is, you know, um, um, yeah. Yeah, very stressful to be around. Yeah, and, and by all accounts, all of these great film directors, very demanding, very stressful, would yell at people, lash out, because if their vision was compromised in even the slightest way, they, they would they would lose it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, and they become incredibly, you know, selfish people, people who cannot empathize or understand other people's anything, because for them it's all about their world and making sure their world matches their vision of the world. And it's it's it becomes a very narcissistic way of living, but at the same time, it could also make you strong. It gives the same kind of strength that one acquires from being that kind of go-getter. And it's it's a, it's not a bad strength, but it's a weak strength because there's a greater kind of strength. Um, but it's it's strength nonetheless. It's a strength that endears. It still cries. It breaks down. It, it's painful but it's a kind of strength that zombifies itself in order to move on. So it's strength nonetheless. While the other one, I believe at least, I think the other person is going to have an incredible, incredible, if that's, if the thing has been attained, if the thing is true, the other person is gonna have an incredible amount of peace, an incredible amount of happiness and joy. It's just that simple. Nothing is gonna stress them out. They're never gonna be unhappy. They're simply going to respond to life as life happens. 
And if, um, but the problem with that is that people are not going to take you seriously. No one is ever going to listen to you, ever. Because we're living in a world that, you know, people like that are looked at as bums or idiots or, you know, um, just happy-go-lucky morons, basically airheads. Yeah, um, yeah. And so no one's ever really going to take you seriously. It doesn't really matter how, how right you are. If you don't look like the thing they expect you to look like, which is, you know, the first category, then you're basically going to live a very, obs very obscure and, and, you know, solitary life. Um, unless you're, unless you're surrounded by very unique people, people like yourself, but that's very unusual because you rarely meet people like this, you know? So, but this also brings a certain kind of strength. This is why, this is for me, the difference between those who are religious minded and those who aren't. In the sense of those who aren't are very active, everything falls on their own shoulders and they carry themselves by their own bootstraps. And that's why life is very stressful, but they end up being strong. It's a weak kind of strength, but it's strength, you know? But a lot of, you know, a lot of people need whether alcohol or pills to get through it, but it's, 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 it's a certain, they're still getting through it. While those who are religious minded who believe in, in either a god or something that is actively watching over them can relax. They believe if you ask you know, um, any sane Christian why he or she doesn't worry about anything, they'll say, well, God loves me. It's just that simple. Jesus loves me this, I know, for the Bible tells me so. And they can go, through, they can be in the same exact situation as the people who are, you know, who are non-religious. They can be walking through fire together and they are singing a hymn. Can you imagine these people? <laughs> Not jobs. But they're, but it's it's true. This is the this is the fundamental. So there are two there are two fundamental decisions that will change your life. Two, who you will worship. Is there a God? Is there not a God? That's the first one, who you will worship. The second one is who you will marry. Those two those two choices will determine the course of your life. It's just that simple. And um, but they never tell you this. They always make it seem as though it's oh, it's just it's just picking a picking a god or a wife. It's like picking snacks. Just, just walk into <laughs> Doritos a store. or Pringles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just pick the one you like. No, it's it's very complex, and it's it's here's the thing. If you're if you if you're going to make if you're if <laughs> if you're not going to take the time to sit down and make this decision for yourself, not your dad's decision, not your mother's decision, not your aunt's decision, not your teacher's decision, your decision, the, the two most important decisions, if you're not going to make this decision for yourself, you are in a world, you're, you're in for a world of hurt, a world of hurt. So, but yeah, I think that, you know, I, I lean more to it because I am a Christian. I do believe in living God. I think, I think, I understand that. I understand the mind of the second man. And because I do like Taoism, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd be a Taoist. I think if, I think I do like Taoism to the point so that, because I, like I said, I, I understand, and I understand it as best, as best as I can. And my understanding of it, what I understand, little that I understand, very little that I understand, but little that I understand is fantastic. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. And I find it far more beautiful, far more attractive um, than the person who is stressed. Gains what he wants, absolutely gains what he wants, sure. But is deeply, deeply stressed. 
my goodness, you have you have thought much more deeply than I have on this subject. You 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 the way that you the way that you spliced that was magnificent, man. Like you you are much you are ten a million times wiser. Than uh, this. But I do I have a lot of questions though because what you just said really was profound. It was making me almost shake a little bit, and I'm sure some of our listeners. Um, are feeling that same thing. This is a really, this is really, this is really gold what we're touching upon here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Few things that I want to say. One, I've also noticed this phenomena where scientists and atheists, they tend to be very ambitious people, right? Because in their, in their mindset, they're like, well, there is no God. Therefore I need to work just as hard. If I want to get anything in this world, I can't pray to a God. I can't ask for anything. Like I just have to make it myself. And that's, that's kind of the atheist way of thinking of like, there is no God. I have to be the best darn scientist possible. And, and the only way we're going to cure this disease is me creating a vaccine or me creating the cure. There's no God. There's no way that that's going to come. And there is something beautiful in that in itself as well. You know, like I, I do, I mean, hey, you know, the world is not built on the back of just people laying in bed all day, right? Like, fair enough, right? Like, fair, fair, fair enough. I, I am, I, as a God-fearing person myself, I, I do, I do, when I hear of, of the Tao or I hear of the way, we as Easterner, we as Westerners rather, have difficulty understanding what that means. The way I interpret that using my Judeo-Christian context, though, is the way is like the way of God, right? Like, I, I know that that's wrong. I know that like an Easterner would slap, like a, a true Taoist scholar would slap me across the face and say, no, that's not right. But that's, that's kind of the way I think of it. Like, God wants me to do this. Okay, let me go ahead and do this. God wants me to do that. I'm going to go do this. All right. I know that that's wrong, but that's, that's the closest I can approximate that to with my limited Western way of viewing the world. Right. So you have this, this idea of like, do I fight or do I surrender to God? And what I mean by surrendering to God is that, you know, you're, you're not like a, a slave or a servant. You're just basically saying, okay, God, my fate is in your hands. You want me to be a carpenter? Okie dokie. You want me to be a baker? Okie dokie. Oh my goodness. My, my wife passed away and she died. Okie dokie. I surrender to whatever it is that you throw my way. And you are correct. You will have a much more relaxed or much more peaceful. You'll have an inner serenity, right? Like that kind of lifestyle creates this very strong and powerful inner serenity where no matter what happens, you end up in the hospital, your wife dies, um, you're working a job you can't stand, you have inner serenity. Very powerful stuff, not, not, you know, not to be taken lightly. I'm wondering if, if it's possible, because I'm a greedy man, I'm an extremely greedy man, Kenny, <laughs> can I have it both? Is it possible that I can have it both where I have that inner citadel, I have that inner serenity, but at the same time, I have the courage and the strength to pursue the things that I want because, because I'm a selfish, greedy bastard. I want it both. Do you think it's possible that I could be a God-fearing Steven Spielberg <laughs> that, that creates wonderful movies, sees his vision, sees his ideas come to life and is proud of himself, but at the same time, when something goes wrong, he's able to get down on one knee and, and just surrender to God. Do you think I can have it both? Well, I think it's supposed to be both ways in the okay. sense of, I don't, I don't, I don't think at all. So, so for example, you know, I think it's the, it's the crazy, it's the crazy naked men with signs that make us feel as though we must stay, you know, in one place or the other, or actually color our image of both sides of what these things actually look like. Now, if a man, 
here's the thing both sides have their idiots and both sides have their genius because and i rather look at the genius of both sides because i think you you know what was it? i think it was ravi zacharias who said that you know you must it's it's the best you you never judge or you always deal with an idea or combat an idea at its best and i think it's just better to look at it's better to look at the things that are you know um, that are doing well but for the most part i think it's i think the the, the ideal man should i say the ideal way is both in the sense of because if you even look at if you look at some of the Taoist writings, depending on the translation you have, it's not just inaction. It's not simple. It's action. It's action, but not action. It's almost like a, it's an inaction to action, acting without acting, doing without doing. And however you understand that, you might, I mean, one has to understand that. But I'm arguing that it's not simply a matter of sitting down, folding your arms, sitting down, folding your arms, and doing nothing. Because if you look at, you know, how even there are other Taoist writings about how a Taoist should work, there is um, um, there's, there's one written, I forget who writes it, but it's, it's a story about, a, about an emperor watching his butcher uh, cuts, cut an ox. And the emperor was so amazed at how slick, how efficient, and how beautiful this butcher was with his cleaver he asked him tell me tell me your way what is your way with this thing and the, the butcher says you know he describes his Tao, the Tao of being a butcher he said describes how you know in the beginning it was you know it was difficult but you know eventually he began to understand how to you know make the right kinds of cuts in the right places to you know bring about exactly how you know what he wanted and says that since then he hasn't even had to change, you know, has, he doesn't even have to sharpen his knife that much because he uses the least amount of effort. And that's it. It's not about, it's not, it's, it's about, so um, and there's, there's a show that I, I really like. It's called Alone. And the first season, what they do is they take, you know, um, participants and leave them pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Like I think the first one was, um, was the Vancouver Islands, I believe. And they leave them there to camp out and whoever can about I think about ten participants and whoever can last the longest wins five hundred thousand dollars. And so there was uh, this. We used pair. to call that being exiled to Siberia, but now now it's a reality <laughs> now, show. Now, now it's a reality <laughs> show. Then you can make a lot of money. <laughs> and so there's this character named Alan. He he won he won the first season, which is like, and I really like him. He says uh, there's something he said, and to this day I remember it, if not verbatim, the idea. He says, "I'm just gonna sit here all day." and conserve energy says many in our western civilized world would call that laziness i call that efficiency now that is a guy he deserves to win that man deserved to win because that's a guy yes that's he understands something so so taoism is not really about laziness it's not about lying down all day it's about efficiency it's about it's about, and it's about, it's about, it's, it's not just efficiency in the sense, let me know, I don't want to undermine it because there is also the relationship with the Tao. There is the understanding of how this, this he says, this is how his, he describes it in my translation. He says that something along the lines of the Tao is before all things, all things come from it and all things return to it. And then he says something curious. He says, I do not know whose son it is. So I simply call it the Tao.
the way. He's referring to this the way as an entity that he doesn't know, something mysterious that he does not know its actual name. So he's giving it, it's, he's giving it a name. So it is also this relationship, this interaction with this thing that he believes orders the world. He believes orders reality, right? Now, so I would say that you can, def it's, it's definitely both because you're supposed to, you're supposed to get where you're going. Everybody has desires. There's nothing wrong with having desires. There's nothing wrong with you wanting to get from one place to the, to the next. The question is how are you going to go about it? Are you going to go about it ripping and screaming and tearing people apart? When, so, you know, the idea that there's this question of when someone says, you know, he said, my boss told me that I was going, if I did not, you know, if I did not tell the certain lie, I was going to get fired. But if I told the lie, I was going to get promoted. Now, I mean, in, in living in a world where, you know, um, if you have, there are no consequences, no one's ever going to know you lied. If no one's ever going to know you lied, there's no God to judge you. It's very hard to muster up the courage, or should I say the, 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 the moral strength it takes, especially if you want that job, that's your dream job. And I'm not going to say that there's no atheist who wouldn't do that. That's not true, because many atheists, have, their character, their moral character is impeccable. Many of them, not all of them, but many of them are. But many of them actually have no reason to be morally right, morally upright. And so what happens often is when a person is dealing with a situation where they have the, the, the goal is right at hand, but they must do something even slightly morally questionable, the temptation is far greater than the person who says, listen, man, I don't give a crack. If I get it, I get it. If I don't get it, I get it. God knows I want it. I want it. But I'm not going to rip, shred, destroy, climb, claw. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna go about this in a different in a different way. You know about. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what you're saying is 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 really remarkable. First off, I love that you're tying efficiency to Taoism. I, I've never I've never heard that interpretation ever. You were the first one to say it, and I I think that's absolutely beautiful because, and I think it's smart to conserve energy. There's so many chickens without heads running around in our society. Mm -hmm. I'm, going to, I'm going to Whole Foods. I'm going to Starbucks, blah, 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 mocha latte, blah, blah, blah. right? There's so many of these like fools in our society that are, you know, running around chicken, chickens without heads and doing all sorts of stuff, but they're actually not accomplishing anything. They're not accomplishing anything at all. And that guy on that reality TV show is absolutely correct. He's conserving his energy and doing as little as humanly possible so that he can sustain himself, right? Because life is, is a marathon. It's about sustainability. It's not around... It's not about exhausting yourself on fruitless efforts after fruitless efforts. Absolutely correct. And I'm glad that you, you, you tied that. The second thing I want to say is you're absolutely like hell is probably like the top of the corporate pyramid or something like that because it, it, no, it, 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 it literally like literally that's what hell is it's the top of the corporate pyramid not because like people are like but aaron these people sit in air-conditioned offices and make millions of dollars a year and i would say what the hell did they do to get that that's what makes it hell right like they got the nice ac they got the million dollars they got the golden parachute the retirement whatever but the things that they had to do the people they had to backstab the people they had to throw under the bus to get that ac and to get those those optimal prime conditions 
is what makes it hell. And then they're surrounded by other people who are doing the same exact thing to each other, right? They're, they're doing the same exact thing to each other. So at any moment, their power or their position could be threatened because they're surrounded by vultures of, of the same caliber who are also going to try and backstab. That's a living hell. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. When you're surrounded by vultures such as that, you're, you're living in like a C.S. Lewis type hell, right? Like it's a, it's a self-imposed hell. No one threw you there. You chose to enter that hell uh, on your own, on your own merit. Excellent yeah. points. Last, last thing I want to talk about. We have an 85 year old man and he's mm. a Taoist. This Taoist who's 85 years old, you know, he knows that he has a few more years left of life and he's starting to have some regrets. He's yeah. starting to say to himself, man, when I was younger, if I had just pushed myself a little bit harder, I might've gotten this thing that I really want. But now he's mm -hmm. 85, his muscles are weak. He knows that he's on the way out. How do we take our 85 year old Taoist who, who's you know, approaching death and he has some regrets of like, if I had just been a little bit more like that Steven Spielberg guy and just applied myself or just tried a little bit harder, maybe I would have a little bit more now. Because I think that, you're right, like this, this Taoist does allow you to kind of negotiate some really troubling waters and allows you to, to be efficient and all, but how does it prevent you from feeling some regret? Because that's something I do, uh, I'm gonna be quite honest here, that is something I do think about. I do think of myself, um, if I'm lucky enough to get to 85, who knows, maybe I'll die you know, three years from now, but if I do get yeah. to be 85, I don't wanna be one of those 85 year olds that's like, you know, man, may maybe you were just a little too complacent, a little too content. Maybe you should have pushed yourself a little harder in some other directions. Talk to me. Talk to that 85-year-old. Not to me, but talk to the 85-year-old. Well, it's understandable. It's understandable. I mean, I don't think that, I don't think that, uh, it's understandable. The, having regrets makes sense. Um, but here's the thing. There are two things I'd like to say to this guy. The first thing is, why, why, why are you here? If you've been following the Tao all this long, all this while, and you and you brought you to eighty-five, what? Why? Why now? It's like the people who you know they've been married for fifty years or sixty years, and they divorce in like when they're like halfway into the like like two days into the grave they get divorced. It's like why? Why? Why did you? Why didn't? Did you not know this? Like you know, twenty-five years ago, what? What was it? Was it like just? The hundredth time she didn't put peanut butter the right way in her sandwich. Like, what is it, you know? So I think that, that, that it's understandable, but why are you here, old man? You know, like, didn't you know? <laughs> didn't did you know if you, if you couldn't trust the Tao, why be, why, why follow? You okay, know what I mean? I'm going to pretend to be this 85 year old, which is ridiculous, right? It's really ridiculous for a 32 year old to pretend to be 85, but I'm going to try and enter this yeah. guy's head. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to try and enter this guy's head. And what is <laughs> this 85 year old looks to you and says, well, Kenny, you know, when I was younger, my, my life was just going so quickly. It was speeding on by. I never had that moment to slow down and think about what it is that I was doing or who I was or where I was working. I had kids. I had responsibility. I just, I never had that moment to just close my eyes and just think about where I was going. And if I had only done that when I was younger, maybe I would have pursued some of those things that I really wanted to have. And that now that I'm older and my life has slowed down, now I'm starting to really think and contemplate those things. And, and I didn't have that opportunity when I was younger because 
life was moving so quickly. But now that I'm older and I've been sitting here for a few years, I, I realize I've missed some things in life. Yeah, but that's contrary to the Tao. Because if the man was, if the man truly was, if the man was truly a Taoist as a, as a young man growing up, he would have had ample, ample understanding. I mean, how would I have? How would okay, I let's, let's take away him being a Taoist. Let's just say he's an older man who, let, let's just say, okay, let, let's put it this way. Let's just say he lived the Taoist life without yeah. being a Taoist. Okay. So he, <laughs> so, he, so he, hypocrite. <laughs> no, 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 no. He, l- l- let me explain. So yeah. he was, he was just very Taoist by nature. He's just, he has an easygoing nature. Well, I see what you mean. Just an yeah, yeah. easygoing nature. Yeah, I he, has, see. he has a very easygoing oh. nature. So he was following the Taoist lifestyle without even realizing it. So he wasn't mm-hmm. a scholar on Taoism. He was just like, I'm a really easygoing guy. And now he's older and now he's having these regrets. Okay, oh, I see. If it was if it's if it's simply an easygoing guy who has his regrets, that makes sense too. The point is simply, you know, there's nothing really you can do for him. There's nothing he can do anymore. And the only thing that he can do now is, you know, I would say, be a force of because, like I said before, I don't think the Tao makes. It's like the person says, you know, I was I was going to be rich and then I became a Taoist and then now I'm poor. No, 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 no. I think you know. So, for example, the guy who is simply easygoing. It's and he's eighty. Oh, it's over, man. It's over. The only thing that he can do now is actually at least spend the rest of his days at least trying to get people who are like him, young lads, lads who are like him, on the right path. Because you know, going going easy and regretting it is a very very painful thing. It's very painful because having a lot and regretting it is not as painful. Because what happens is you're there, you understand it. It's a regret of, of acquiring, not a regret, not a, not a regret of losing. It's better to have acquired and regretted than to not acquire and regret. Because you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's. You you you, th- you still have this illusion, or this even if it's not an illusion, it usually is an illusion, that the thing you're trying to gain is going to make you happy. And so the person who's attained it and still seeing that, oh my goodness, I'm still as miserable as I was before I had it. Well, and now I regret it. At least he has, he has, he's gained understanding while the other person has gained nothing. So if we're dealing with somebody who is somebody who has not attained, who wanted to attain it, has not attained, man, it's, it's a very painful place to be. Um, And if he did it simply because of he's a, easygoing guy in other words he's just a lazy guy and that's a different story that's that's really he brought this upon himself because there's a difference between there's a difference between taking life easy and under and and taking taking life easy simply because it's your natural temperament and taking life easy because how you say you understand the way in the sense that you understand how life operates those two guys are not going to make the same decisions because one is caused out of wisdom, while the other one is simply how you say natural urges. So the man refuses, the man who refuses the high paying job because he wants to spend more time with his family has, done, has made the same decision as the, as, as, the, as, the, as the lazy man. But he's not gonna regret his decision because he knows why he made that decision. While the other man is like, I don't really wanna roll out of bed today. And he's just, you know, it's like, you know, of course you're gonna be miserable at 85. You've done, you've made horrible decisions for no reason. Man, I, I love the distinction you're making. So to, to make this, I'm gonna try and make this clear for myself here. So there's two types of 85 year olds. Mm-hmm. And let's say that 
let's say both of those 85 year olds have the same number of accomplishments under their belt. Okay. Or just, you know, let's just say on paper, I know that's impossible, but let's just say theoretically, these two 85 year olds have achieved the same amount. One of them fully understood Taoism and was conscious of his choices. Like he, he had the willpower to be like, yes, I am refusing this luxury. Yes, I am refusing to have this power. Yes, I am refusing to be a control freak. And he makes those decisions and he's 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 aware of his own willpower along the way. So every step of his journey, he's like, I'm making this choice. I'm making this choice. I'm making this choice. Whereas the easygoing 85-year-old is kind of just being lazy and sort of rationalizing their easygoingness. Like, oh, it doesn't really bother me. I'm just, you know, you know me, I'm Fred. I just go along with the flow. But in, in reality, they're just rationalizing their laziness, right? And they're, they're maybe, maybe they're even a fake Taoist. And there's like, oh yeah, I'm a Taoist, whatever. I know I, I believe in watching Netflix or something, right? Like they're, they're like um, fake Taoism, right? Like I, I'm, I'm being lazy, I'm watching Netflix, but you know, it's okay, it's the way, right? So there's two types of version of, the, of, this, of this person. There's one that's really authentic. He has the power to have a high paying job. He has the power to do anything he wants. He just consciously chooses not to have those things. And he's fully aware he could have those things, but then chooses not to have them. Whereas there's the lazy person who rationalizes their laziness under the, the guise of Taoism or under the guise yeah. of easygoingness. Okay. Does that, is that right? Absolutely. Man, I, that was, that was brilliant, man. You are certainly the authority on this. Maybe, maybe we'll just have a whole episode dedicated to Taoism because there's, I, 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 you're, you're going to have to prepare me a reading list of, of things I should check out because I, I clearly have not read enough. Kenny, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh my good man. Thank you for having me. This concludes the 136th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.